With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Across the Pond WNBA podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Don't forget to check us out on social media and on our website, atpsports.net. Now over to your hosts of Across the Pond WNBA podcast, Michelle Snow and James Scott. Welcome to Across the Pond WNBA podcast. We're back. It's week three. Michelle is still here. And later on, we'll have very special guest, Monica Livingston, uh, very special for a number of reasons. She was one of the people that kind of got me and Michelle together, which is awesome. So uh, super excited to have her on. Have you been up to much, Michelle, this week? Wow. Interesting week. Full of a lot. Getting ready to close on another home here in Tampa. So excited about that next week. So did the walkthrough this uh, actually yesterday. So super excited, super hot at the same time down here in Florida. But hey, you always love being able to own a, a piece of the dream. That makes everyone feel good. So blessed to be adding another one to the portfolio that's really what i've been up to and you know moving is no joke it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of moving i did a lot i've done a lot of moving around and not a big fan i must say though in scotland we have had amazing weather for like the last three weeks it has been super hot i'm on vacation next week and it's going to be raining so that's just typical this <laughs> is scotland uh, so i'm going to go down to england that's like COVID protocols kind of allowing. We're going to go down and take the kids and just chill out for a week and have a good time. And I've got a nice cabiny type thing going on. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. So you bring in pictures for us next week? Yes, I will have pictures. We'll, we'll pop, pop some on social media and stuff as well. Right then. So let's get into it. So before we get into the actual games themselves, there's been a, a few things that have happened. Now, one thing that kind of struck my eye this week is a very rare appearance from Michael Jordan and his Jordan brand. Usually he just allows the players that are under that brand to kind of be there. But today or this week, they did like a big release of all these kind of really nice, classy portraits of not just Jordan, but Jordan and a group of WNBA players under the Jordan brand, but also like with players on their own 
kind of and it's these kind of black and white kind of photos and they just look so so nice like and I think for me a Kia nurse she's there and like there's one of her kind of in a field it just she just looks like she's in a kind of natural kind of state and I think it just looks so nice have you managed to have a look at these absolutely it looks so good there's so much I could go on about with this just with him even stepping into the portraits as well and putting his stamp on it says a lot as well. I think there are pros and cons to that. Thankful for the endorsement because it is needed in order to get over that hump to where women can kind of stand on their own. But I mean, just to hear them, like they were so excited. Like, I, I can't wait to jump on this Zoom call. I feel like I got to sell myself to Jordan. And he's on there telling them their career history, telling them, you know, all of their highlights, how much he enjoys watching them play and how he wants them to be a part of the Jordan brand. That is something that, uh, I mean, when I played, it was Maya Moore and that was it. And now you have 11 Black women repping the Jordan brand. It says a lot. And it is a huge statement for the WNBA, as well as all the young ladies that are watching. It gives them some, that, that representation, that retention. And now you're bringing both sides together. I mean, men and women's sports together. I love it. One thing that I noticed was one of the reasons they'd kind of come to do this was that now is probably the best time because mm -hmm. viewing figures of the WNBA is up 15%, mm -hmm. which when the rest of the sports leagues at the moment, their viewing figures are down, but the WNBA is up. So probably the perfect time to do this as well. Definitely. I mean, you got viewership at an all-time high. You have uh, dads taking daughters to games and it's so many aspects that Thankfully, you know, like the Jordan brand recognized and said, hey, not only can we help um, elevate the sport, the women's sport, but also capitalize as well, because now you're investing in those youth and those young women who watch the game. And another thing that they announced is at the same time as, as doing this, the Jordan brand and Jordan announced a hundred million dollar pledge to the black community and will continue to invest in initiatives for black girls and artists, which I think is really really important they're going to unveil like a whole program later down the line but that's that's quite a big statement that's a lot of money and obviously jordan is a big brand and it's earned a lot of money over the years i i see this as a a really good solid payback to to a community that supported them for a long time very true and i love how you stated that like the the consumer base has, has been huge within the black community for for that brand and to understand also giving back and making sure it's like a thank you, a huge thank you to everything that the consumer has done um, and buying that product and making it. I mean, look at you. You don't wear Jordans on the court like it's become a lifestyle piece within the black community. Things that you rock with every outfit, all the different colorways and things like that. It's been it's become an icon within sports. Like when you think about basketball, you think about Jordan at the top of that spectrum for kids that are alive, even older people today. They want to rock that Jordan brand and it means something. So giving back to the community, I think it helps in that play towards equity. It needs to happen. There needs to be fairness across the board for everyone and the representation piece, giving people a head start so that they can see someone that looks like themselves, especially when it comes to black women. I think that's huge. And I, I can't say enough about him for doing that and applaud him enough. And it's weird. Like, like I said, at the top, he, he, this is a rare appearance from him. He, I actually can't remember the last time I've seen him 
in like an advertising campaign for for Jordan. So obviously it's his name that's behind the brand and mm-hmm. everything else. So I think it's really good that this he's kind of got behind this as well. That the the kind of group picture I think speaks volumes. Yeah, I think that is that is so so nice. I really like it, and I think I think it will be a winning campaign. I mean, Jordan are amazing at marketing. Let's be honest. So I think and I, and I hope and I really really hope that both men, women, boys, girls mm. see that and then think. Let's go check out a WNBA game. Why not? Yeah. So let, let's hope that, that that's something that comes from this as well. Moving on then, we will do our player spotlight this week. Now this week, we have probably one of the greatest WNBA players of all time. She was drafted by the Seattle Storm first round, first overall pick in 2002. 11-time All-Star, which is not no, no mean feat. Four-time champion, holds a record for that. And which is pretty awesome. Also played abroad, mm-hmm. uh, like we discussed last week. A lot of players play abroad, although she's not done it since 2014. Probably because she'd like to see her wife from time to time, because her wife is uh, very busy with her own professional sporting career. We have Sue Bird now. Sue Bird, I have, I, I can't remember not seeing her in the WNBA because she's played there for so long. Yes, I mean she's what 21 years now, over 20 years, phenomenal career. I had the pleasure of playing against her in college. She cost me two national championships. Still a little, little, you know, so hurt by that. But I mean, when you look at her career over that 21 year span, you can't do anything but have respect. How she plays on the court, how she carries herself. It's like you said, four WNBA, four gold medals, two NCAA titles, Naismith, Wade Trophy. It's what hasn't she done? five Euro championships overseas and I played against her overseas as well. And that was, you know, just some of the best games because her intensity on the court, the way she plays her grit, her resilience, battling through injuries over this time, over that time span, like she bounces back. She takes care of her body, eats right. You have to respect it because that's something that is not easy to do. Most people don't want to eat right in just everyday life. But being able to, to do that and carry it throughout her career so that she could recover and stay on the um, playing field as long as she has is amazing. And then uh, you got to take it a step further and look at her off the court, too, because she is just whew, social justice movement standing. She's so authentic. And I mean, she's just that adorable person that you want to see win. Even when you have to be the one that loses, it's like, if I'm going to lose, it's going to be to someone like this. Her heart is just is so big. And the people, she makes everyone around her, no matter where she's playing at, as you can see from her accolades, better. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I've I've always kind of been a fan brought me to her was because it comes across so kind of genuine and real <laughs> and there's no airs or graces. There's no yeah. kind of been in the league a long time. You sometimes get players in sports that are like, oh, you don't know who I am, then don't even talk to me kind of thing. But she is like the exact opposite of that. Obviously, she has a, a, a superstar wife, Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. plays soccer for the USA as well. I think it was a couple of years ago, uh, I was kind of like, they're like the power couple of US sports. They like, are. <laughs> there's like, there's no way like anyone's going to match that. Um, they're a real power couple. And if you follow them on Instagram, social media they like you say to the social justice movement and everything else they lend their voice massively to that and megan i think is a especially is like really really strong on that as well one of the things i love about 
Sue Bird is her consistency. She is just so consistent. Probably, probably one of the most consistent players in the WNBA has ever had because she just is always at a high level. The Seattle Storm have brought in young players like Brianna Stewart and stuff. You see Sue's influence on, on the younger players. And that's really important because obviously, like we say, Sue Bird has been in the WNBA for 19, 20 years. So, I mean, that's a long, long career and four, four championships. And that's not easy, especially when you start going abroad and, and start playing abroad as well, which she's also been exceptionally powerful at. And, and just, I think it, we talked about it last week with Candace Parker, is the work ethic. The work ethic is clearly there on and off the court. I think she, she lends herself to some great causes and also on the court, she just battles in and, and doesn't, just doesn't give up. Like I say, probably the most consistent player for effort. So I love her. I think she's brilliant. How many years do we think that she's got left? I mean, she's obviously looked after her body. I know she's had injuries and stuff, but I mean, she must have like at least two or three more years. Absolutely. I honestly, and she's playing from the point guard position, you know, so she's not getting hit as much as you probably would down on the block. She can play as long as she wants. And I love seeing players playing 20 years now, 22 years, something that was impossible just, what, four or five years ago? She can go as long as she wants because her, as, as long as her efficiency stays as high as it is, she's got to be one of the most efficient players I've ever seen play. So efficient. And we'll be talking about them a bit later, but another Olympic team. So yeah. Athens, Beijing, London, Rio de Janeiro, and now Tokyo. So she... She's just about, I think she's hit every continent in the world by the time Tokyo comes around. But no, she's already done Beijing. So she's already done Asia. Jeez. So ah, she's, she's awesome. And we love seeing her play. Um, that Seattle Storm wouldn't be the Seattle Storm without her. There's been a couple of good games this week. In particular, I watched the, the Chicago, Lib- Chicago Sky Liberty game. Eniescu still kind of coming back from injury, mm-hmm. but uh, she played played a little bit. Candice Parker, though, a double-double. 23 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. One thing that I noticed about the defense between Candice not playing and Candice being there is the defense is solid. The intensity. The intensity is going throughout, through everyone on that squad. That's what leaders do. She does it amazingly well. Like, they're 7-0 since she came back. Like, if you look at the defense, Liberty were absolutely woeful on defense. Absolutely woeful. And it was it was the, the second quarter that kind of killed the Liberty off. But what I found was, watching this game, there was a couple of players that were trying to break through in the Liberty. There was a couple of players that were really trying to step up. I think they just went up against a team that it didn't matter what you did. This Sky team are solid and I think they're going to take a real run at the aces and the storm and the sun and all the sky have had a bad start to the season but wow since Candace came back they've really kind of turned it around and it's almost like if you're going to have the injuries and the setbacks you want to have them in the beginning of the season and that gives them and they're getting this Olympic break to continue to jail they're just going to get better and better and better like this here is going to be a fun team to watch going down the stretch it really is. And I mean, the game finished 91-68. And I was, yeah. And it, like that first quarter, I was kind of like, well, this is going to be a good game. This is really, because it, it was kind of ebbing and flowing. And 
second quarter though, Sky just took over and, and I actually think they killed off the game. Mm-hmm. One thing that was weird, and I, I don't know if you're a fan of this, but during garbage time, we all know that garbage time is usually reserved for the players at kind of the, the end of the bench, is usually my position. But Chicago like had Candace Parker on like at the end of the game. Like they had uh, a good number of their stars on towards the end of the game, which I know there is an Olympic break and you know everything else, but I would have thought they would have kind of given some other people some minutes. Well, I'm gonna tell you one thing about the coaching staff there. They're awesome, they're amazing. And they're probably using this to look at different scenarios coming up. Like what kind of schemes can we run? How do different lineups play with each other? Like how do the younger people play? If you need breaks, substitutions that you can leverage going forward because they have had the injuries. So it's almost as if they're doing what most people did in preseason and they're having to do it now in the middle of their season. I think it will open up those opportunities for everyone on the team because you want to get your shine on. You want to definitely reward the people that come to practice and go hard every day. And when they stepped in, they played well. And you can see that they have anyone can score on that on that team. So I think it's going to be interesting to give them that time, especially going into this break, especially with Candace not being on that team. You just lit a fire under her. okay? good luck with that, because I already know the response that she's going to have to that. And that team is just playing. They're almost playing with a chip on their shoulder. And Candace is playing with a big chip on hers. And they have something to prove. And I feel like they're just working through what that looks like. They looked amazing. I mean, they looked absolutely outstanding. Uh, I was I was watching Liberty and I, I kind of felt bad for them because Whitcomb and Laney, they were really, really trying to, to get into the game and get things going. Mm-hmm. And they just couldn't get any momentum because the sky just kind of devoured them, anything that they were getting thrown at. So one thing that was amazing from Sky as well was the boxing out on defense. Absolutely. Like the reason the reason Liberty didn't get any second chances was because the boxing out by the, the Chicago Sky was awesome. Yeah. Like I heard the comment that Candace made, this past summer made the same one to me for four years. Box out the right way. Two-hand rebound, not the one-handed rebounding. And she always said, you rebound your way to championships. You play defense. That's how you get there. It's not scoring. And you can see all of that being taken in. It's almost like they're developing a killer instinct. And it's like, who, if they look at where they are right now and give them some time. I think for the Liberty players, it also gave them, although they were trying to get it going, it still gave them a look to be on the court and in game under those pressure situations that I think will help those younger players as well. So that's another way for them to look at it is I know what to expect and I understand I need to go back, plan out how I want to attack this the next time around, watch that film and see how you want to come back in the, in the games on the second half of the season. And I, I think the second half of the season after that break, I think Candace is going to go do some TV mm-hmm. uh, during the Olympics. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really interested to hear her comments during kind of commentary and stuff. I think that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, another game, and this game was a shock to me in the, in the scoreline because I didn't see it coming. But Tina Charles, Woo! <laughs> she got the Mystics past Seattle. Seattle are no joke, as we just talked about Sue Bird. Seattle are no joke. They have talent right the way through the roster. Washington are shorthanded. They, they've obviously had some injury issues, and that's why their season hasn't really kind mm-hmm. of started the way they would have hoped. But Tina scored 34 points, 16 rebounds, five assists. The Mystics hit 16 three-pointers in this game. Yep. 
you got to give Tebow a ton of credit. He's one of the most winningest coaches in the WNBA played for him. He knows what he's doing. He understands how to put people in the strongest positions and places. And you have a player in Tina Charles who also is walking around with some big chips on her shoulder. You know, like she hasn't played the last couple of years. People have said, you know, is she the same? And she's come back and basically just double slapped everyone who counted her out. And she's leading that charge. And to see her, the way she's dominating, 16 rebounds, five assists, like she has truly elevated her game and come back. She's expanded her shooting ability from when she first came in the league. Like, you know, you would leave her open at the free throw line and she's just pulling it all the way out. A testament to her work ethic, her coaching staff. And I, I will tell you, that was my favorite game of the week was watching it. The intensity, the energy. It was so fun watching them battle back and forth. This is going to this is going to be a fun playoff season. It was a it was a close game all the way through, and, yeah. and it was. I mean, even if you just go through the quarter scores, the quarter yeah. scores were were like three points, four points between them. So it shows you how competitive this game was. Even like the field goal percentages, the three point percentage from both teams was, was the exact same. It just shows you how good both teams were. I think the standout is obviously Tina. She was absolutely outstanding throughout this game, thirty four points. But there was real contribution from other players Mitchell oh. had 19 Atkins had 10 and it, there was like a really good not shooting by committee but Very yeah good. it was kind of it was balanced after that now if you look at Seattle like I said Seattle are kind of I mean they've got what five all-stars in their starting lineup pretty much Samuelson didn't really kind of get it going and Sue Bird only had seven points but at Lloyd and, and Stewart they really kind of pushed in this game really hard they played a lot of minutes as well. Uh, I think they both played over 33 minutes. So yep. just a lot of minutes. They they both battled. And I think this game was just so, so good. They had some contributions off the bench, Seattle as well, but just wasn't enough. I mean, Tina Charles just, I think she just wanted it more than anyone else. And you could see it. You could see Yeah, it. she had a determination. But I mean, the storm, balanced scoring. You know, Mercedes comes in and gets her 10. You got Stewart at 17. Then you got Lloyd, who is just uh, a beast. <laughs> She's a beast. Almost a double-double, nine assists, one away. Her game is phenomenal. I think maybe the Mystics wanted to kind of focus on taking Sue out a little bit and focusing, forcing other people to do things. I think they kind of got what they wanted in that game and forced the tempo and force certain players to play more minutes too. Cause as you age, that gets tougher and tougher when you're playing every other night. And, you know, just the little nuances that give you the advantage at the end of the game. But I know, come on, we all know Seattle's going to bounce back stronger. Very, they, they got great coaching staff as well. So I, <laughs> I just love watching games like this. It's fun for the fans. And for the Washington fans, yes. um, Washington sports aren't, usually the, the greatest sports teams. So uh, at least they have someone to cheer for now that can actually win games. And what's even better for Washington is moving forward when people start coming back from injury, you've got Alina Deladon. Yes. Um, she Woo. is there. They're kind of, for me, their best player. I mean, yeah, she's the I, I, I love watching Alina Deladon play. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, Cloud when she comes back. So yep. they have... So much. So if Tina can put up these these kind of performances now, and get them into a winning record and start to grow from that, I mean, this just helps them kind of grow 
further. And then when those players come back, they're just going to be even stronger. And then they will, they're another team that will be up there with the Seattles and the Vegas. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The young players are getting a great opportunity to prove themselves right now and to grow, get that playing time. And then when you add the other pieces, I'm telling you, the WNBA is getting to the point now where you don't even have enough roster spots for all this talent. They maybe need to add some more teams. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying, I might have said that a while back. (laughs) People getting cut that are absolutely amazing players. Yeah, they are. And let's hope that there is some kind of expansion soon so that we can get some even more talent on the floor. And and like you say, there is so much talent out there. There's just not the, enough spots. So we'll take a quick break right there. When we come back, we're going to talk Olympics and not just the Olympic team, but the three-on-three team as well, which is just being introduced at these Tokyo Olympics. Just before we go to our interview with Monica, we're going to talk Olympics. So this year, new event at the Olympics is three-on-three basketball. Never had it before, uh, but I used to play it every day pretty much when I was a kid because you couldn't always get like five-on-five. So you'd play three-on-three, or if you played five-on-five, two people would be tired and, you know, you needed to kind of switch it anyway. So I'm exceptionally excited about this because one of my favorite players, Kelsey Plum, has made the team from the Las Vegas Aces, Stephanie Dolson of the Chicago Sky, and Alicia Gray from the Dallas Wings. This is a this is fun. Katie, uh, sorry, Katie Lou Samuelson as well from Seattle Storm. Can't forget about her as well. Uh, although it's 3v3, they are allowed a sub. Uh, but how fun is this going to be? Because this is going to this is different kind of type of basketball. Oh, man, it's it's completely different. You're talking about the same uh, court, 12-second shot clocks, uh, one point inside the arc, two outside, and it's the game of who wants it more. First one to 21 points, and you have to give them some credit because they also turned around. You can't have a coach necessarily in the game, but they, they were intelligent enough to say, hey, let's go get Carol Lawson over here at Duke and use her expertise and they're using her in practices and and places like that and she's one of the masterminds at understanding how to take that playing field and leverage it because you can space the floor as much as you want you can create things with stephanie dolson down low and just let her go to work you can space the floor and put three guards coming in doing their thing it's going to be a ton of fun it's going to be a fast-paced game with a ton of excitement it get they get to highlight themselves and and I think the world is going to get a chance to see how much fun three on three. It's going to take a lot of people back to the playground. It's like, cause that's what I remember doing when I was yep. a kid during summer, you would just school would finish first weekend. You'd be down at the basketball court and it was three V three. It was awesome. Then a couple more people would turn up and you'd have to play five V five. It was always good fun. And I enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm excited to see it at an Olympic level. Yes, uh, because I think at an Olympic level it is going to be high intensity and it is going to be full on. So, looking forward to that. Uh, they also announced the full Olympic team. Do you want to tell us who's on that team? Man, there's <laughs> so many intangibles <laughs> with this. Wow, we have a team now that has a lot of newcomers. Six of our Rio Olympians will not be a part of this team. You got Asia Wilson reigning WNBA MVP, Jewel Lloyd, some of the newcomers that you're going to see out here in Tokyo. Wow. And then you got Don Staley coaching and bringing it all together. That's another big piece of it. You got 
you know, a lot of players that won't be on that team as well, like Maya Moore, uh, Deladon, who's coming back with the um, back injury, Candace Parker, CP, a lot of people are, they took to social media about her and NECA and some of the other players they feel got the, the snub from USA Basketball. But then you still have Wilson, Lloyd, Ariel, and like you have a ton of people, Chelsea Gray, Skylar Diggins, that are all newcomers. And the other part of that is what does that bring to the team along with the vets of Diana, Sue, on top of Asia and the rest? It's going to make it a fast-paced game, intense. We got Sylvia Fowles and Tina Charles, Brittany Griner down there in the paint. That's an athletic team running up and down the court against some of the world's best. I think Don has a great group. They're they're probably going to bring home the goal. That is definitely the expectation. It's just a matter of the game is getting to the point now where you have greats that are being left off of that team. And is that good? Do we go younger? And then you have the other, the flip side of it, people like NECA, who's the MVP, who's not on that team, which is, is crazy because she led the, the Team USA in scoring and Rio. So do you kind of leave the people off that are actually <laughs> supporting the franchise of the WNBA kind of nurture your younger players and give them that opportunity as well. I guess we'll see how that works out. And it's going to be fun either way. I mean, you got a great group of um, young ladies. All of them have earned that opportunity, and I know that they're going to take the best of it. And they have a combination of veterans and youth. So it'll be interesting to see how they mesh and come together in a short period of time. I think when you talk about snubs, I think, like you say, with Candice and maybe some of the others, They've had injuries Mm -hmm. and maybe Team USA just decided that not to put them at risk, you know, because they have careers back in the States and the last thing they want to do is go to Tokyo and maybe kind of re-injure or kind of have some kind of niggly comeback from an injury that they've just kind of recovered from. And that's one side of it. But the other side is if I'm a player, if I'm Candice Parker, if I'm NECA, I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> I don't want to stay home. I want to go. I want to be there and I want to take part and I want to be part of that team and I want to be part of that kind of Olympics. I think if I'm not wrong, Sue Bird, it, when they win the gold, because I'm assuming that the USA will win this, uh, I she'll have five. And I, I'm pretty sure that's a record in, in the basketball. And that goes for men's and women's. I think that's pretty much a record. So that would be pretty awesome. And I think it'll mm-hmm. be pretty special for her. And as we talked about, her wife, Megan, I think it's pretty special because I think she'll probably show up because she does tend to show up to these things. Uh, we've seen that at the NBA, uh, WNBA finals. Uh, she showed up to enjoy that moment with with Sue. So I'm looking forward to it. I think bring on the Olympics because uh, I, I can't wait. I'm a big Olympic fan anyway, but I'm really looking forward to it. If anyone wants to catch the schedule or anything, it is on the WNBA app. Um, they've got the schedule of when, when all the games are. I'm going to have to figure out how the UK are going to do this because they usually just show UK stuff, unless it's like something big, like the 100 metres, because the UK suck at that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> But the USA, they just have put together, for me, a great team. You're right. That team is full of stars. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's only 12 spots. Yeah. And that's the difficulty. And I think the difficulty that we spoke about just before, there's 144 spots across the WNBA even then there's still a lot of people kind of without a position in the WNBA so I, I hope that this 
team goes there fully fit and ready to go, I'm sure they will. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they'll bring home the gold. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. We're all rooting for them. We know that's that's uh, the intent. And, I mean, when you got someone like Don on the, on the sidelines, she's going to make sure you bring that intensity and energy and kind of show these young players that expectation. And you got the older players that are going to bring them along as well and be like, listen, you bring it every single possession. Don, she's proven. She knows how to play the game the right way and make people better. Right. Just before we go to Monica, bring her in. Game of the week for the, the week coming. I have the Sun versus the Mystics. Oh, man, there's so many games. I mean. There's a lot this week, actually. It, oh, it's so many. It's good. But I cannot get past tomorrow because we have the Sun guy at 2 o'clock and then the Storm and the Aces. I'm really hyped about the Storm and the Aces with the upsets, with Storm losing to the Minnesota or to – my goodness, I'm Washington. Washington. I'm having an aces to the link. You got two teams that just had losses that they didn't want. So they're going to come back hungry and going at each other. So I think that will be a great game to watch the strategies that the coaches come out with and the intensity that the players decide to bring to that game. It should be um, game of the week, in my opinion. And then the other one, Suns versus Mystics. That's the one I've got is Suns Mystics. I think that'll be a really good game. I'm looking forward to see Tina Charles. I think she's going to be awesome. I, Although I'm on vacation next week, I will, part of my vacation is I still get to watch sports, right? So <laughs> I'm still going to be watching. But uh, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. And when we return, we will be joined by Monica Livingston. Awesome. So welcome back. So Michelle is still with us, obviously, co-host and all. But we have a very special guest. Now, this guest actually helped me get uh, Michelle through friends and connections and, and help me start this WNBA podcast. So we have Monica Livingston. Monica was an all-star running back offensive MVP, a Hall of Fame inductee due to her stellar contributions on and off the field with the DC Divas, professional women's tackle football team. Also was uh, an all-county basketball star in high school, uh, which is pretty awesome. Now, First of all, before we get into sports, why don't you tell us about your podcast and, and what you've been doing through the pandemic? Sure. First off, thank you guys for having me. I, I'm honored to be on a, especially a show that is about the WNBA, uh, because here's the thing. You said I was an all-county player in high school. Yeah, that's where it ended, right? <laughs> like I played a little college ball too, but nothing like Shell, nothing like Lisa Willis, nothing like those guys. So yeah, I had to pick a different sport. Uh, in order to excel. And I'm only, you guys can't see me because I'm sitting down. I'm only 5'2". Like that's on a good day, right? Now, had I had a little height, I don't know. I might've been able to do a couple things. Oh yeah, and be younger. I forgot about that part too because WNBA wasn't even around. So uh, yeah, but this, so this is kind of, it, it's super cool for me to be on a show with WNBA title in it because that's my first love is basketball. It was always my first love. So the podcast, it's called The Huddle with Monica D. Livingston. It's on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can access it on my website, IG and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a thought behind getting 
cool people, like-minded people together. And some of the best experiences that I've ever had happened in a huddle. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a football huddle. I think when you have a meeting in a corporate setting, what are you doing? You huddling, right? You getting together to figure out what the group narrative is and try to come up with a plan. And then you go out and execute, dominate, score a touchdown, you know, shoot the winning shot, whatever that is. And so I thought, what if I could create a space you know, through this podcast kind of setting, uh, audio and virtually, I mean, and um, audio and visually, that would do the same kind of thing, that would allow people an opportunity to, you know, come together, give best practices, share with each other, do those kind of things, and then go out and do the same thing in life, Excel. So I have on mostly uh, sports, you know, people in the sports arena, coaches, players, athletes from all different sports. But I've also, you know, decided that I'm going to have entrepreneurs on as well, business owners, anybody that's kicking butt, doing things, and is willing to lend a hand to someone else. If they've got a gym to drop, if they're like, hey, this is how you can access this bank loan, or this is how you can access this grant, and here's some tips, they, they have a spot in the huddle. And then we ready break and go out there and, and kill life. So that was the, the concept. And that's what I'm trying to do. That's pretty awesome. I've been listening to it for the last few months. So follow you on social media. You have a massive social media presence, which is pretty awesome. And you have something in common with Michelle as well. You were in Podcast Magazine, actually yeah. the same time I was as well with the <laughs> Cross Upon Sports Podcast. But Michelle is going to be featuring in Podcast Magazine next month as well in July. Sweet. That is awesome. Congratulations. That's super fun, man. Yeah, that just came up. They were like, hey, you want to, we want to feature you in Podcast Magazine. I was like, feature who? And they were like, you. I was like, okay. I mean, that, that's cool. Uh, so I answered some questions and next thing I know, boom, there, there it was. I'm still waiting on my print copy, but yeah, the digital one and, and it's cool. It, you know, it gives you access to other people and to meet other people. And, and really for me, it's just about spreading the message again, because if one or two people figure out what the huddle is about by that magazine article and they can pick up something and spread that, that's what I'm all about. I'm about, I'm about contagiousness, man. Like, so yeah, it was an honor. It was super cool, but I'm really interested in, you know, what it was able to do for me and pick up some new listeners. Awesome. Uh, yeah. A big shout out to Neil Haley, yeah. who, who is involved in the sports side. Um, I think he's the director of sport for the, for the magazine. It was great to, to chat with him as well. Yeah. I'll give Michelle, I'll give you a tip though. Um, when you, have you done your interview with Neil yet? I have. Oh, okay. So you already knew you had to block out about two hours worth of time. Right. <laughs> You could tell that he he knows what he's doing and yeah. he's done a ton of interviews. So if, yeah, you know, but Neil can talk, him, right? He can talk. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I need about 30 to 45 minutes. And then next day I looked up and I was like, okay, I missed that meeting. Uh, we're still talking. Right? But yeah, awesome, awesome guy. And I could talk to him for hours. Yeah. Yeah, we if you ever listen to him on Clubhouse as well, like on yeah. Clubhouse, he he just goes and and then sometimes I think he realizes he's doing it and he's like, right, so I'm just gonna hand the mic off to someone else so they can kind of take control. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's hilarious. He, he really is. He uh, is. Really Good fun dude. guy. And he's he's been a big supporter of our podcast network as well, which has been awesome. So big shout out to to Neil. Now, what Monica? What is your kind of first memory of kind of falling in love with sport? And knowing that that's what you want, that's the arena you wanted to be in. Yeah, so they're kind of separate. My father was a PE teacher, coach growing up, high school level. 
did some college coaching and some college uh, recruiting and scouting. And I always say this, he played for the New York Giants also for three days. Uh, it was only three days. He told us he blew out his knee and had to leave training camp. My mom told us he got cut. So, you know, the story is <laughs> out there somewhere, but, and they were still together. Like she told that story. We all at the same dinner table, just, just so you know. So I'm not sure. I like to believe that his, he blew out his knee. So that's what I'm going with. Right. So, and he's no longer here with us. So I can't ask him anymore. So I'm going with that story. So um, I say all that to say, I was always involved in sports. Like it was a fabric in our household from, you know, we're going to my dad's games. My, uh, it's just my brother and I, he's three years younger than me. He was playing football at five. He was on, you know, the little peewee team. It's just what we did. After school, our school, we went to a private school right up the street from where my dad taught school at the public school. And we literally could walk down the sidewalk. Well, our school got out sooner than my dad's did. He didn't have a class last period, but he had to stay around to the, you know, dismissal and all of that. So literally what my brother did was we walked down the sidewalk and then we would go to the gym and we would shoot around or play with all we had access to every piece of equipment. So every day we had our own mini Olympics. We'd play a little hockey and then we'd play dodgeball and then we'd kick the soccer ball. We'd shoot some hoops. And by that time, the buses and everything, and then he'd be ready to go and we'd go home. And so it was just the core of me was always in sports. And then I started playing in high school, you know, and, and I'm 50 this year. So you're talking long, long time ago. There weren't really a lot of options for girls to play sports, track and field and basketball right? That's what we had to choose. And um, I chose both, but excelled in basketball. And so that's when I, you know, started playing basketball in high school, in college as well. And then that was it. I fell in love with knowing that this is what I was going to do after college. I was graduating and my parents said, look, you need a real job because you're about to be off our insurance. <laughs> and I said, huh, okay, let me think about this. And I was getting a sports management degree. And because it seemed cool, I hadn't really thought about what I was going to do, but it just seemed cool. The classes look cool. And that was about it. And they said that. And I was like, okay, I got a real job, real job, real job. And so then even at that time in sports marketing and sports management, especially for women, I could have gone and sold tickets, been an account executive and sold tickets for the Capitals or, you know, one of the home teams, or I could have worked at a gym, you know, that was pretty much about it. We're talking like 1994. So what else are you going to do, especially being a woman in this space? Journalism, that wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I thought PE teacher, my dad had been one and that seemed like a cool job, right? Because I remember how cool it was that we thought he was one. So I became a physical education teacher, athletic director, coach, and then thought, well, this is how I can make a living and still be related to sports. I got out of that and stayed in education, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. But yeah, that's the that's the long answer to the question in the, in a big building. What's amazing is that you've kind of you've had that journey right the way through. What was the the transition like from kind of football field to the, the kind of arena that you're in just now? The auditorium, yeah. kind of talking to hundreds of people. Obviously, it's a bit different with Zoom and stuff during the pandemic. But I think I did see that you did an in person kind of thing a couple yeah. of months ago because you had it on Instagram. Uh, what's it like going from those different arenas? What happened is I transitioned from education in the health, 
in athletics and went more into special education. Um, I'll never forget, I was teaching at the school, a lady came from another school to sub and she was standing in the gym with me. We were doing like lunch coverage or recess coverage or something like that. And she was like, man, these kids are so well behaved. I said, yeah, no, I'm bored to tears, right? You ask them to stand up, they stand. You ask them to sit, they sit. And I'm thinking, I can't do this for 102 years. This is ridiculous. I have, I have more in me than this. I just got in this because these people, my parents, told me I had to have a real job. <laughs> so here I am, I'm stuck in this, but it wasn't like lighting my fire, right? And then she told me, she's like, I love it here. I just quit this job. There's a school around the corner. And it's a school for special education students, which she called them bad kids. They've been locked up and committing crimes. And it, and I went, oh, really? She was like, oh, yeah, they cuss, they fight, they turn the desk over. And I went, ooh, that sounds interesting, right? Literally, hand to God, you guys, on my lunch break, I drove around the corner to that school, walked in the door, said, I heard that you guys have an opening because a lady quit that's at my school right now. They asked me what qualifications I have in crisis management. I was like, none, but I know how to talk to people. It's a specialty of mine. Went through this whole thing. They literally created a position. I went back to the other school, gave my two weeks notice and started a month later at that school. It was a level five school is what we called it then. And I fell in love with that type of being able to help marginalized communities, people that weren't being heard. These kids were brilliant. The teacher at the front was boring. And that's why we're gonna turn over a desk because they were bored to death. And who better to tell when you know what you'll do when you're bored to death, me. Remember, I was just finished being bored to death at this other place. Um, I have severe ADHD you, that you probably saw my Washington Post on being um, video that I did with them. And school was terrible for me all every year since kindergarten because of that reason. And I look at it now as, a, as like a superpower. My ADHD is a superpower where before it was always looked at as, oh, she can't sit still. Oh, she can't concentrate. Well, not really. Actually, I can concentrate on six things at the same time. Like, you know, this is, I'm doing 19 things and maybe 17 of them are getting done well, right? <laughs> you know, the other two just never mind. But anyway, <laughs> can't be perfect. So that is how I left that part of education, went into special education while playing football, still doing that, playing flag football, competitive though, 11 on 11, downfield block and the whole nine. And then I was recruited off of that field to play for the DC Divas, the women's professional tackle football team in this area. And that was in 2001. After that, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing football with them. And simultaneously, I'm moving my career on this side, even in more into special education. So I became a crisis counselor, was writing behavior functional assessments. And then I got bored with that. So some friends of mine, we built our own school. We built our own school in DC to serve as students 17 to 22 years of age. They read on about a third grade level. 17 to 22 years of age and reading on a third grade level. 98% of them have been involved in the juvenile justice system. And so I wanted to build a school that concentrated on academic remediation, but also workforce employability skills. Because if these kids can't get a job, they're going to keep robbing me and you. Because what do you, what do, you do when you're hungry? You got to figure out a way to eat. Everybody wants to eat. And you can't keep driving these shiny cars past these kids 
and expect them not to want to hop in the seat one day and drive off with your shiny car. But if you give them away and show them, then they'll get their own shiny car and they'll feed themselves. And so that's what it was really about. And, and that happened organically. So then what happened is I've had other organizations saying, hey, we love what you're doing. Come talk to us about this. So now I'm in front of people speaking completely organic. They never set out, set out to become a speaker. That was never the goal. It was just that I was networking. People were asking me to do stuff. And then I thought, huh, there's something to this thing. People keep inviting me somewhere. And I'm like, and you're going to pay me to come tell you what seems like something you should know, but okay. All right. <laughs> okay. No problem. And so then when the administration closed in DC, when the administration changed in DC, we had to close our doors after almost 10 years of providing that service. We still have the nonprofit that does some work with uh, the juvenile justice system in, in District of Columbia through other programming. But the school setting thing, we had to give up. They changed. They didn't want to spend money to treat our kids correctly. And so I thought I could probably make more of an impact wider by telling people these stories than working just in you know, that, that one setting. So then that's what I did. I said, you know what, I'm gonna start my own stuff and I'm just gonna keep talking. It seems to be one of the things that I'm, that I'm good at is talking and networking and, and gelling with people. So let me see if I can make a living out of it. And I've been able to do that. So now I'm a full-time speaker, been doing this for, gosh, I think I quit my real job 2012. Yeah. And I've been out here just, you know, doing this and moderating and emceeing events and speaking and podcasting. And it's going well because I still got the shiny car out front. Because <laughs> sometimes you've taken it so much further than just the, the sports arena. And reach down to the people who actually look up to you and said, I'm not just going to show, show you what you yeah. can be, but I'm going to actually create the resources and be there so that you can actually, like you said, get to the shiny car versus looking at it. You, you just have problems that come from that. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everything that we learn in sports translates. It, it literally translates. And that's why I'm in these corporate spaces now. Like, you know, at first I thought, why would this Fortune 500 company want to hear from me? And then I thought, well, I'm just going to tell, yeah. I'm just going to be authentic. I'm going to tell them what I know. And it's the same stuff. Those life lessons that we learned on the court, that teamwork, all those things make great employees. And people will work harder, longer, stronger, faster with you and for you when they you have a caring climate and they know you, you know, that the group narrative is the same. And so I, I'm just sharing the same message over and over again. And I'll tell you guys a secret. To me, it's so funny. Like I literally giggle to myself sometimes when someone is flying me across the country to do an in-person event. And I think, and they're giving me money to eat with and paying for the hotel. And not that I'm not grateful, whoever's listening to this. I mean, I appreciate all that. <laughs> I don't want nothing to stop. But I chuckle to myself. I look out the window of the plane. I chuckle to myself and I go, this is real. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, what I'm really doing is telling people everything we already learned in kindergarten. Be nice to the person in your class and share your freaking toys. That's what, that's what equity inclusion is. Share your toys, man. Share your toys. Everybody's the same. Absolutely. Be nice. So if we all could just have a kindergarten mindset, I think the world would be a better place. And what a story. I mean, where, where you've come from, where you've, uh, where you are now, and I'm sure uh, many things that you have coming ahead of you as well. One big thing, obviously we're talking sports there. You played football. How important is it for the world. Um, I mean, we've got a young fan who watches us here, uh, listens to us in the UK. Her name's Gracie and she plays basketball and like, that's all she wants to do. She watches the WNBA. That's her favorite league. 
for girls like Gracie, how important is it for women's leagues, for young boys and girls to be televised and for those women to be seen playing games? Yeah, I think it's it's uber important because, you know, guys don't have to think about representation. It's there. Especially white men don't have to think about representation. That's what TV looks like. And so I think that we unleash the powers of every little girl when they can see themselves on television. They go, oh, this is okay that I feel like, you know, being competitive and I feel like shoving a little bit. That's okay. Cause I just saw Monica give a little elbow, you, you know? So it's okay. And they don't feel weird about that. And they don't bury that aggressiveness that men are taught at a very early age, dust yourself off. Don't be a sissy. All that kind of stuff is said to you guys. So when you go into the boardroom to negotiate, you already going in aggressive. The, the, the other little girl's been told be ladylike, let them talk first. Don't yell, don't scream. You know, you can be smart, but it's layered with a whole lot of butts. And so I think seeing it erodes that. And that's why it's so important. It's also important for boys to see that it's okay for women to give that pushback. It's okay. And it teaches them to respect women. So you don't think you can overtalk me when I come into the room because you've grown up looking at everyone as equal. You've grown up seeing, you know, I think the comments about, the guys put in some of the, uh, especially the women's football, different uh, interviews or social media, the comments that they put, it's always the guys that have never played anything that want to talk about, oh, if you went up against Ray Lewis, I'm like, if you went up against Ray Lewis, okay, <laughs> it's Ray Lewis, fool, like, we all losing, okay, we all losing, you know, so you being, a, I think it change, it helps change that mindset and it just helps with, with equality. So I think that, you know, women should be paid the same for the same job. And I think that the amount of eyes that get, you know, that are put on men's sports should be put on women's sports. And I actually think that I know people always blame it on a monetary thing. I think if you give it first and then watch and see, give it first and then watch and see. I think one thing I'm definitely just learned is that if I seen Ray Lewis running towards me, I'm running the other way. No joke. You better get stepping. Absolutely no joke. Ouch. That's going to hurt. Um, no, but you're absolutely right. I think. And I, I, I said, I think on our first show, I wanted to see more teams, more investment in the, in the WNBA itself, because I think put that money out there now and you'll reap the rewards later. Spend money to make money. Um, right, is right. the way it works. It works in business, so why not? Exactly, exactly. Well, all these startups, they raised thirty million dollars, ain't being sold one product, not one pair of socks yet. But everybody's lined up to give the thirty million first, and then sit back and watch and wait. Why don't we make that investment in women? Well, the narrative. I think that's one of the things definitely talked about in that first uh, podcast. Is you know, just if you're the commissioner, how do you change the narrative around the sport too? Inclusive mm-hmm. equity. Terrible story. Yes. Showcase these women, allow people to see them being strong and show, showing men also respecting that. It will change. Right. Um, it's going to get yeah. there, though. I know that. It's got a lot. Yeah. No, Shell, I, I believe you. And you're absolutely right. Because, and again, because that's what business is. Every commercial is telling us a story so that we go and use our card, so that we swipe our card. Every freaking commercial tells you a story. Some sad. I can't even watch that SPCA commercial with them <laughs> dogs shaking. They get me every single 
time, okay? I can't get one more canvas bag from the SPCA, okay? <laughs> like, because they tell a story that makes you go, ooh, here. And we've got to tell the stories. We don't even have to fabricate. These women have great stories. Just tell the them. Story. Just tell the story. And give yep. people the power, like you said, to stand in their truth and tell their story without right. thinking no one wants to hear it. Because that's another thing I hear all the time. Yes. Yeah. That's why we have to support each other Absolutely. too, to make that space. Absolutely. Monica, we will get you out on this one. If you were commissioner, uh, what would be the one rule that you would change or implement just to make the league better? You were commissioner for a day. Okay, so I, I was thinking about this. Let me think about this. My gut says I don't want to change any rule. That's my gut. It says I don't want to change any rule because I'm a competitor and I don't want it to be kind of rule that makes it even more different than the NBA because I think we're as talented and as good. From a business perspective, if I step away from my gut, from a business perspective, I would say, and this is so hard for me to like uh, utter out of my mouth, but if we're talking, I'm only looking at this from my pocket, not my heart, not my head even, or part of my head, but really just my bank account. I think the consideration of lowering the rim would be one. And, and the reason for that is because the WNBA game is, is a much better game to, to me to watch. It is a game of chess, not checkers. It is a game played below the rim where there is a lot of thought and strategy and explosion as well. But if we added the shiny toy, the little trinket, for some people, I think it would raise their interest to watch a woman, you know, we have women that can dunk, to rattle the rim. Again, I say I am reluctant to change anything. I want to preface it with saying that and end it with saying that. But that would be one that I, I would think of. Um, I know the shot clock was changed once already, and I thought that was a good step because that helped the speed of the game. So I thought that was that was brilliant. I don't know what else is left that would keep the game pure in terms of rules other than, you know, like the tag and tag. I, I, I don't know. So that's, that's off the top of my head is the, the, the rim, but I really would like to know, uh, shell what you think about that. I find that so interesting because the other part of it is this, cause Shaq said the same thing. And I was like, Shaq, like, bro, come on. You right. said like you no, you don't get I, no, bro. You're you too big to say. I, I love he's one of my favorite players, but I was like no, Shaq. Because here's the other thing. This is the, just my side of it as well. Because I couldn't always dunk. I started working out with guys. I started doing plyo, and I learned how to create those muscles. I started playing with guys to mm -hmm. understand what they were doing in order to do so. When I came around, I was the only chick trying to be in the gym or entering dunk contests in high school. It's the only one. But it was gotcha. also because. Okay. I didn't know that that was something that you shouldn't be doing or couldn't be doing because it also had the stereotype of after I did it in college, we had all the media attention and newspapers coming out saying I'm trying to be a man or and they were they were shaming and they were shaming not wanting to do it. Thankfully, I had a coach who was so strong and Pat Summon who said, you know, you just went pro, <laughs> you know, that other right. side of it. I look at not a coach, the, the greatest, greatest coach, but oh my the God. greatest like season two. <laughs> Difficult, yeah. but my goodness, she brings the best out of you. But she forced me to change my perspective. So when people bring that analogy to the table, one of the things that comes to my mind is the four-minute mile. Everyone said it couldn't be done. It couldn't be done. And then when people mm. started doing it, everybody was running a four-minute mile. 
women are starting to dunk and look at how often it is happening. You see more and more women saying, I don't really care what the stereotype is. It's fun. It brings attention to the game. It's engaging, interactive for the fans. And I see more young ladies doing it and they're just, they're working on what it takes to be able to do it. My, I, I love it. I love give it. it some time and see what happens. If you lower the rim, I think that does bring excitement to the game, but I think it also puts another strike on the game in the eyes of many people who will say, oh, but it's easier, which is already the yeah. issue. Yeah. That's one of the big issues. Yeah. And it's to me, to me, it's like, yeah, I understand everyone won't be able to dunk, and just like an NBA, but I think it needs to happen more often. But part of it is teaching and showing our young women that it's okay to be, like you said, aggressive and to highlight to, you know, Duncan is no more than just showboating for the fans on both sides. And getting them- right. No, I love your answer. You, you changed, you changed my mind, my friend, you changed my mind. Uh, because what I wasn't thinking about is the fact that one, you're right. Every dude in the NBA doesn't dunk. Right? That's not their role. That's not what they do. Even if they can, mm-hmm. you know, who, who's a dunker, yeah. who's not right. And and the possibility is there. So if we train different, not just physically, and I was hooked up on the fact that physically, there's nothing that's going to happen here, even in my best shape 20 years ago, that was going to make me be able to dunk. Like Spud Webb was one of my favorite yeah. players because he was 5'5". Five, five, like, and I thought, man, if I stretch myself, like 5'2 on a good day right here. And, and back in the day, I could get the middle of the nets. I want everybody to know out there, back in the middle of the nets, okay? <laughs> right? I almost broke my finger hanging up there, but the middle of the nets was it. But yeah, you're right. If we change the mentality also, it's not just the physicality, the mentality that it's okay. And I hadn't thought about the fact that there may be even some girls or women that can duck and won't because, or don't push themselves to do it, to get better. They're close, but they don't work at it because they're worried about how it would be perceived. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's and, got it. I think we should raise the rim then. Let's yeah, raise it up above the- I'm gonna call my boy Nate Robinson. He gonna he gonna get you above the rim now. He's okay, listen, put me in, coach. <laughs> that 50 and over is senior Olympics. I'm gonna be like this. Ah, okay. <laughs> they that ready. They that ready. I'm coming coming back, y'all. <laughs> oh man. Oh dear. <laughs> right. Well, Monica, thank you so much for joining us on our NBA show. It's been great to have you. You were part of getting this together as well. So I appreciate you for that. Uh, and send you love for that because we've had with this our third episode, you're our first guest, which oh, was very sweet. important. So it was great to have you on. We will be back next week. Myself and Michelle. I'm taking vacation time this week, by the way, but everything will still run as normal. We'll still have all our shows, our NHL, our NBA are still coming out, and Tyler Small is back with the MLB this week as well. But for the moment, thank you so much, Michelle, as always. And Monica, thank you so much for joining us this week. My pleasure. Thank you guys. And I will have both of you on my show. I can't wait to come back on here and just to talk offline also you guys are awesome thank you so much thanks thanks so much you've been listening to across the pond wnba podcast please follow rate and review our podcast and check out atpsports.net to see the guests we have coming up and keep checking back to listen to our latest episodes sports social podcast network what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, 
cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.